You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 14 introducing the doctors i am as always one of your hosts jason hunt and back with me from his moving excursion or getting lost in the tardis you decide we have my companion through time and space paul gann <laughs> hey guys how's it going paul oh dude it's been busy i can imagine <laughs> yeah, this is actually going to be my first night uh to spend the night in this house oh, congratulations first time that I'm not traveling between houses, working in one house and sleeping in another. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be much easier uh, from this point on. Yes. And since Paul has had a really very, very busy week or so, um, we did not have time to watch the episodes to review for uh, Power, not Power, Evil of the Daleks, yes. uh, which is the second second Doctor Dalek story arc. That sounded really redundant, but it made sense. Um, <laughs> the next second Doctor. There we go. Dalek <laughs> review. Uh, so we, we did something that was a little bit easier to prepare for, that took less time to prepare, and something that wasn't quite so in-depth, just because uh, you know Paul has been busy, and I'm leaving out of town tomorrow morning, so this is like our only opportunity to record. Um, so you get to hear the Slacker episode. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we jump into our topic, we did want to hit one point of news. River Song. As of today, this morning, it was announced River Song is returning to Doctor Who for this year... Christmas 2015, the special with Peter Capaldi. And I'm actually really excited about this because I've always thought Peter Capaldi and Alex Kingston would be great on screen together. I I know there's some people that are really going, ah, stop bringing River Song back. Her story was done. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, it's more River Song. I don't agree with that. I Um, mean, you know, I I think that her story has you know, the ability to expand and jump around and, you know, as a matter of fact, another point of news is that River Song will also be in two story arcs for the Big Finished audios. Yes. Well, yes, she is uh, appearing 
in uh, a an eighth Doctor story arc, uh, the Doom Doctor Who Doom Coalition Two, uh, with Paul McGann as the eighth Doctor, and then she has her own story called Doctor Who: The Diary of River Song, in which the eighth Doctor makes an appearance in there. So River Song is getting around. How exactly she meets the eighth Doctor? and forgets by the 10th Doctor, which Paul brought up earlier. <laughs> uh, we're not entirely sure. Maybe maybe it will be explained in the story, um, or maybe she will explain it in her diary. Who knows? Well, we do know that when she runs into um, David Tennant's Doctor, that she doesn't know at what point in the timeline uh, that he occurs. She doesn't know. She doesn't know if he is before or after... Matt Smith's doctor, and so uh, she uh, obviously she met Matt Smith's doctor first, right? Um, and then she met uh, Tennant's doctor later. Uh, obviously, considering what goes on in the story, and we're not going to give you spoilers on that if you've not seen it, because <laughs> you need to go back and see that. It's really good. Silence um, in the library, folks. Exactly. Uh, but what I will say is. Because of the way that her story uh, takes place, you actually have uh, several different options for the character. You have the ability for her to come back in the the uh, form that everybody recognizes her with, mm-hmm. uh, but you also have the ability to show her in other incarnations prior to the incarnation that she's in now, because... Different regenerations. Right. She had... At least a couple of regenerations, if not more than a couple, prior to actually meeting Matt Smith's doctor officially. So even if she was in a more of a cameo type role, you could technically see her in other story arcs as well, even if she wasn't played by the same character. Mm-hmm. By the way, I was just thinking this because on this article that I'm looking at, um, you know, there's a picture of. of River and of course her hair is you know big and curly mm-hmm. and I was just thinking wow that would be really funny if she ended up meeting uh, the sixth Doctor who also has big curly blonde hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> random thought, um, but anyways, uh, but I, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me to see that, especially even uh, if it was done in a novel or if it was done uh, in another big finished audio. Yes, but all that to say is River Song is back this Christmas. Uh, in Doctor Who on TV, which I'm excited about. I think it'll be really neat. The dynamic will definitely be different. It will definitely be different, and, and we'll and we'll see where the Doctor is at that point. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion Clara may not be there, and we'll see what you know where the Doctor's head is at uh, mm-hmm. come Christmas. But that's pure speculation on my part. Uh, we don't have any other real information about her appearing other than that she will be there uh, because this was announced this morning and basically I think it was just like on their social media. It was like, here, here's a picture of the Christmas special with River Song. She's back. Right. Thumbs up. And that was all that BBC well, really did. You know, there's been rumors and speculation. You know, one source says that Clara's going to be there for the entire season. Another source says that there's rumors that she's not going to make it through the entire season as far as staying on the show. You know, there's there's rumors all over the place, and I honestly think that a lot of that is planned. 
you know. Possibly. Because confusion makes people go, I don't know. <laughs> and then, you know, there's always something that you can say, ha, this is what really is happening. And you can actually hide the truth in a multitude of confusing speculation. So, And we can trust Stephen Moffat to lie. Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. And he admits to it. He's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't you know, make bones about it. He admits to it. So. Right. Right. Okay, well, we just wanted to bring that up real quick, and especially because it came out today. It's like, hey, we're on top of things. You know, of course, <laughs> it'll probably be a couple of days before I get this posted, so, you know, we were on top of things for a split second. Um, <laughs> of course, nice segue, you know, her, her catchphrase, of course, is spoilers. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of spoilers, we're going to try to get through this episode without spoilers, uh, <laughs> because we're going to try to... Uh, actually give our recommendations to uh, you as to which episodes we think you should introduce your non-Doctor Who loving friends to so that they can start to love the show as well. Yes. Uh, and we're going to do this for each of the Doctors, and so if you're only familiar with a handful of Doctors and want to branch out and explore some of the other Doctors, here's some of our recommendations of where to start with each of the Doctors. Um, and also, like Paul said, if you're introducing some of your friends to classic doctors or, you know, doctors that aren't Matt Smith and David Tennant, here's here's some of the places that you can, <laughs> that you can do that. Because there's a lot of great classic who out there. There is. There is. Uh, but for introductory purposes, and this these may not be our favorite episodes, but these are episodes that we've picked that sort of give you a at least the way I picked him, sort of give you a nice snapshot of who that doctor is, the dynamic that that doctor has without being too dependent on other stories uh, that they have to rely on. Although some of that isn't true with some of my picks, but <laughs> anyways. I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> right. But, but these are, are, are just sort of our recommendations for where you can start. And if you've already started with each of the Doctors, but you just want recommendations on other episodes to watch, this episode could work for you as well. So, we're just going to be a walking recommendation list tonight. Um, <laughs> not too many spoilers, because we want you to see these episodes, but we will give you sort of a brief idea of what you might expect uh, in these story arcs. And I'll go ahead and, and kick us off. Obviously, we're going to start way back at the beginning... Uh, with William Hartnell's first Doctor. Yes. My my episode that I picked for the first Doctor is going to be the Aztecs. And this is a, an, an episode, number one, it's really easily available because it's on Netflix and Hulu and DVD and I think iTunes downloads and Amazon downloads. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most accessible William Hartnell episodes. So it's really easy to get your hands on, but um, it also, I picked it because it has the first Doctor's classic companion group being Susan, Ian, and Barbara. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, while he has other companions, this is sort of like his iconic companion group. And, you know, uh, they go back to uh, the Aztec era in Mexico, and Barbara is mistaken for the goddess Yataxa, and they have to find this balance of 
Barbara wants to change history and stop the Aztecs from doing human sacrifice, but the Doctor is very against that. He's like, you can't right. rewrite history. Not one line is, is one of his famous quotes from this episode. This which... is sort of the idea, or sort of the, the, the beginning of the idea of fixed points in time without actually calling it fixed points in time. Right. Um, uh, and of course, they also have to try and figure out how to get back to the TARDIS, which is trapped inside of a tomb that can only be opened from the inside. Um, <laughs> so uh, there is that as well. But, but you know, it, it sets up that dynamic of of messing with history, how far can you go, and what is appropriate, and can you actually change it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that's one of those interesting things that, that gets addressed in the Aztecs. Uh, before I, I turn it over to you, I do want to give my honorable honorable mention for uh, the first Doctor. We're going to have a couple of these honorable mentions just because we couldn't leave it out. Not all of these. Most of mine don't have honorable mentions, but the first Doctor is one. And that's going to be the Time Meddler, uh, which, simply because it's possibly my favorite first Doctor episode <laughs> ever. Um, and the only reason why I didn't have it as my my recommendation is because it uh, it has a completely different companion group. Uh, it sort of introduces the idea of other time travelers mm-hmm. uh, that the Doctor ends up running across. In this case, the meddling monk, who's a great character. Uh, <laughs> and, and you would do yourself a great favor to find that. Um, it is on Hulu, uh, if you want to catch it there. Uh, but the Time Meddler is a, is a great episode. It has one of my favorite humorous first doctor lines as well he picks up a viking helmet and hands it off to <laughs> yeah. his companion steven and who is has just joined the tardis <laughs> and isn't convinced that they actually travel in time and space and he goes see there you are a viking helmet oh well maybe what do you mean maybe what do you think it is a space helmet for a cow <laughs> he's very indignant about yeah. it yeah you know. i love that i love it um, so i those are my my recommendation and a half, I guess you could say, for the first Doctor. That remark is actually snowballing from a, a couple of other remarks prior to that, before mm-hmm. they ever walked out the door, uh, and it just kind of builds into that one, and I just thought it was hilarious. It is. <laughs> it is. So, uh, did you have the Aztecs as your recommendation, or did you have actually, something else? Actually, I don't, and, you know... I'll just be honest with you. There's going to be people that's going to think I cheated on this because <laughs> I actually have an honorable mention on this as well. Uh, and both of the ones that I have picked, we've actually done reviews on. Oh. Uh, my my pick was The Chase. Um, nice. The reason I picked The Chase is because, for me, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, uh, especially if somebody is coming in to this and it maybe has only been exposed to New Who or something of that nature, I didn't think that they necessarily needed to come in blindly into something that was more dry. Right. I, I felt like if they if they came into the, the story arc that was fun and funny and had a lot of humor in it and things like that, that they might get hooked more easily on a funnier storyline that then could weave its way into some of the other storylines that were more uh, uh, dark and, and, and more uh, involved, you know? Right, right. 
and of course, we've already done a review on this, so we don't really have to get into it. Right. But, uh, Go back to our, but, our backlog of episodes and check yes, it out if you're curious. But watch it first. Yes. Watch it first if you've not already watched it because we don't want it spoiled for you. Unless you don't care about spoilers. Then spoil away. <laughs> but don't get on River Song's bad side because she but, will shoot you. We would highly recommend watching it first. Yes. Yes, we would. And, but you said you had an honorable mention. My, uh, my, mar- my honorable mention is the Daleks' master plan. Nice. Um, and a lot of that was for the same reasons that you mentioned. Your honorable mention is because it had the meddling monk in it, you know. And I, I like that character. Uh, I like the way that uh, that they expanded on that character in the story. Um, and uh, I like the back and forth between the monk and the doctor. And I just I I liked the overall story arc of that, mm-hmm. even even though it does kind of feel like part one and part two, the same way we reviewed it, to me, it's a very good story. When something is good, I'm going to recommend it to people, even if it's got a couple of warts in it, you know? Right. Because, you know, it's like, it's like watching uh, a movie that, you know, you know that it's like the best thing you've ever seen, but then somebody else wants to sit there and pick out the two tiny little flaws <laughs> in this in this epic film that you've got, and you're sitting here and you're going, "Dude, just shut up and enjoy the movie," you know? Right. <laughs> That's the way I feel about the Daleks' master plan. It has a couple of hiccups in it. It has a couple of, you know, it's not really. It doesn't really have plot holes in it. It has a couple of places where they actually could have removed some fat to trim it up a little bit. But Feast it's a of really, Stephen? Yes. <laughs> don't, watch Feast, don't watch Feast of Stephen. An entire uh, episode. If you've never seen this before, never watch Feast of Stephen. It doesn't add anything to the story. <laughs> and you'll, you'll, you'll hear us say the same thing on our review. But no, I just I feel like that it's well worth uh, people experiencing. I think it's great. It is a very long story arc, so just prepare yourself or something. It is or the longest story arc in the show, with the exception of uh, Trial of Time Lord. Uh, so. All right, well, let's move on to Patrick Troughton's Second Doctor. My recommendation for the Second Doctor is going to be The Mind Robber. This also is a very easily accessible classic episode. It might be uh, Troughton's most easily accessible episode as well. It's on Netflix, Hulu, DVD, probably iTunes and Amazon download as well. Um, So that's part of it. But it's also a a nice little self-contained story uh, that sort of plays on this interesting thing. They have to take an emergency action into a void and then get sucked out of that void into the land of fiction. And so they have to walk this line between reality and and fiction and what happens there if they cross it you know it's it's a fun nice. episode it's a fun episode uh they they run across quite a few literary characters like you know Gulliver and Rapunzel and Medusa nice. oh so, no that would be nice to run into <laughs> yeah um see but, now you're making a recommendation for me because I've not had a chance to see that one yet ah nice but yeah <laughs> So, it, like I said, on Netflix and Hulu, so it, it's pretty easily accessible. But yeah, that, I do like that. Uh, and of course, it's got some great Patrick Troughton humor, and it's got my favorite Second Doctor 
companion set, that being the Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe. Uh, they play off each other very well. Even though Zoe's got this really weird sparkly onesie jumpsuit uh, <laughs> the whole time. Uh, the If you see it in color, it's purple and sparkly, but you can't really tell that in, in the black and white. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> and it's a it's a onesie jumpsuit, so uh that's the one thing about Zoe I'm like, okay, can we can we get you into some more normal clothes? Which she gets in other <laughs> arcs, but not this one. Not this one. Oh. But yeah, uh that's my recommendation for the second doctor. So what's your recommendation? My recommendation is the Tomb of the Cybermen. That was going to be my first one until I thought about this one. <laughs> Well, I liked it uh, because it can be a very self-contained story. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even even if you've never seen the Cybermen in another story prior to this one, it, it's almost like meeting them for the first time, even though we've seen them before with the first Doctor. He's actually already run across them as the second Doctor, too, so it's almost... He's already met them twice, but this episode mm-hmm. is kind of like a reintroduction of the, right. the Cybermen, which is interesting. Uh, and, and, and it's it's done in such a way so that um, it, it almost... Have you ever seen Clue? The movie Clue? Mm, I don't think so. I may have seen bits and pieces on TV, okay. but I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Uh, with, with Tim Curry. In that movie... Uh, course it's basically just like the game you know it's it's based on the game mm-hmm. uh, they're they're basically locked into this house so every you know they're they're kind of trapped in this house uh, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes and that is kind of the same scenario that you're looking at with the team of the Cybermen. is they're they're locked into this place so everything is self-contained inside this this facility basically right you know and uh, yeah, we've seen that a couple of times, uh, especially in New Who, uh, with those types of things. Um, and I think we're going to see it again in the new season uh, with, uh, like, the underwater city stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just, I thought it was really well played in this story, you know. And, and you get the Cybermats that, you know, foreshadow the return of the Cybermen. It's, and, it's actually their introdu- the introduction of the Cybermats oh. is this this arc. Yeah, and, and uh, of course you see them again in New Who as well. Right. Uh, and they really haven't changed all that much in their appearance either. <laughs> no. You know? Uh, a, but, little more, a little more streamlined and sophisticated, uh, but that's about it. I just thought it was interesting the way that they used those as kind of the foreshadowing of the Cybermen coming back and and some of the music and stuff, and I think we've used some of the music in the podcast uh, from that story arc towards, I think it was maybe episode three or something like that, if I'm not mm. mistaken. But, uh, yeah, some of the music is really different and unique, and and I, it just it adds, like, something new to the feel of the show. You know, it, it's, it shows how they're willing to be experimental and, and they're willing to do things maybe that are unexpected you know, and mm-hmm. and even the tone of of some of the episodes was almost a little off balance to me. You know, in the way that it was shot and the way that it was, the, you know, the story was told. You know, right. 
um, it, I just thought it was really unique and interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good one. I believe that one is also on Hulu uh, for folks that are looking for these place, these things. Um, and and it is complete. Uh, it my, is a my, complete story arc, so you don't have to watch a, an animated reconstruction. <laughs> my honorable mention on this one is actually the one we talked about on our last episode. <laughs> 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 the Power of the Daleks. Uh, and, and that is more because of uh, the... the, the uh, the great way that they told the story with the Daleks in that mm. story arc, you know, they, they really used them in a really good way. Yeah. And so we'd actually recommend you go listening, listen to that episode because the reconstruct, you know, you'd have to only view that in reconstructions. Uh, mm. Or you can find the links to that on our Facebook page. Or maybe one day they'll actually make an official animation of those episodes. You know, we hope and pray. Yeah. <laughs> That would really make a good animated movie, actually. They could take all of that and just, you know, butt it all up against each other and just make, a, like, a feature-length animated movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, move into the John Pertwee's Third Doctor. My recommendation for John Pertwee is going to be the episode, or the story arc, entitled Inferno. Uh, this is actually the season finale for his first season in which he accidentally slips sideways in time mm -hmm. and has to deal with villainous versions, alter, alter egos of his friends, uh, his current companion Liz and the Brigadier, in order to stop an inevitable disaster. And the interesting thing is this parallel world that he slips into is developing a, a project that he's trying to figure out in his real world, but they're a little bit farther along on the project mm -hmm. than they are, than, than his world is. And so he has to try and figure out how to deal with this and also play with the idea of can he help or save or impact this parallel world when he's technically not supposed to be there? And then also how, do, how does he get back and save his world, you know? They both got the same scenario going on, but just at different stages. At different stages, mm -hmm. and with uh, you know, some characters' motivations changed. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting, and it's one of I think one of his best stories uh, that he's got. Uh, and it also, like I said, it, it is six episodes. Um, it's a six-parter, so it's a little bit longer than some of these other recommendations. But um, I think it's worth it. Uh, like I said, one of his best. It's really, it gets really intense and a bit claustrophobic at times. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, watch it with a blanket and a bucket of popcorn, um, <laughs> with all the lights off. So it's a, it's a similar scenario to the uh, the story arc uh, from Tenant's run, uh, where they reintroduce the Cybermen. You know, where where there was an alternate universe with alternate Rose's parents were alternate versions of themselves, and there was alternate versions of, you know, all the other main characters, but Rose wasn't there. Because <laughs> she know? was never born. <laughs> because her mother was too selfish to have children, you know. Wanted to keep her figure. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very similar premise to that. Yeah. What's your recommendation for The Third Doctor? Planet have you seen much of The Third Doctor? I've seen some. Uh, okay. I've not seen as much as I'd like to. 
Yeah, the third Doctor, the second Doctor, the third Doctor, and the seventh Doctor are probably the ones I've seen the least. Okay. Um, but I have seen enough of them to know that I like them. Gotcha. So, my, mine is Planet of the Spiders. Ah. Yeah. It has just about everything in it. It has action, it has, you know, suspense, it has humor, it, it has uh, dark, you know, twisted story uh, parts in it. Uh, it also is, it's very good at letting you see uh, the character of Sarah Jane. Yes. And, and how she functions uh, with the Doctor. But <laughs> one of my favorite parts in that story arc, though, it's actually the chase scene, where which chase? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Where uh, the 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 uh, the the villain uh, steals the doctor's hovercraft, <laughs> and and then then you have Betsy chasing the, the hovercraft on the ground, and the doctor <laughs> chasing Betsy, Betsy. <laughs> or Bessie rather in his. Bessie. Uh, yeah, in his airplane. His, his, uh, yeah. And then... Yeah. I forgot that that sequence was in this story arc. Oh, oh my gosh. It's hilarious. He's... Uh, there's a cop sitting on the side of the road, you know. <laughs> and and he calls this thing in, and he's like, uh, I just saw a hovercraft being chased by an old car, being chased by an airplane, you know. <laughs> and they're like... Wait, repeat that? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. like... we, did, we did mention back uh, oh. in one of our, I think it was our first episode, that, that John Pertwee <laughs> is almost like the James Bond of Doctors. Oh, especially the 80s James Bond. Yes, yes. Uh, uh. So he, he gets all the toys and, you know, really, <clears throat> really neat action scenes. So uh, this definitely has that, so... <laughs> And then on top of all of that, you're you're sitting here watching this, and there's this poor homeless guy laying there in the, <laughs> in the grass, and this 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 hovercraft just goes right over the top of him, you know, like he's not even laying there. And, and, oh, it's so hilarious! He just just runs right over the top of him, you know. Yep. And he's sitting there like, what just happened? You know. <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. his hobo, you know. His, his yeah, <laughs> Planet of the Spiders. <laughs> and But yeah, it, it's it's got some good stuff in it. Now, does it have a couple of places in there where the special effects could have been better or whatever? Probably. But that's not what really matters. The story is what matters. Right, right. Especially when it comes to classic Who. It's it's the story and the character of the Doctor. That's what... That's what really matters. And the, the story in Modern Who, uh, Left Turn, uh, has some things in it that are very uh, very much taken from this. Draws heavily in some yes. in some parts on, on Planet of the Spiders. So. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed Planet of the Spiders. Good. Good. All right. Well, let's jump into my favorite Doctor, uh, the fourth Doctor, played by Tom Baker. Scarf is the best. Um, <laughs> the multicolored one. Yes, the multicolored <laughs> scarf. I'm I'm less of a fan of his red scarf, um, red and purple scarf. Anyway, enough about scarves. Uh, my 
My recommendation, and this will come as no surprise for those of you who have listened to me talk about this episode at any chance I get, is going to be Pyramids of Mars. Pyramids of Mars, uh, where the Doctor and Sarah Jane end up having to deal with the alien, the all-powerful alien, Sutek. You know, it, I, I basically said, deal with all-powerful alien, and the most interesting, one of the more, more interesting parts is that the Doctor takes a quick break from the action to show Sarah Jane the future if they don't stop Sutek. And so we get a brief glimpse as to what her time would look like right? if she went back home now and they didn't stop. Uh, they didn't stop Sutek. And so... That's one of the more interesting ideas uh, dealing in this. Also, of you know, of note to people who who this matters to, if you're a Star Wars fan, one of the uh, primary ca- characters in this story, Lawrence Scarman, uh, La- Lawrence Scarman, is played by the same actor who played uh, Admiral Ozzel in The Empire Strikes Back. So, <laughs> who also played Adolf Hitler in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, yeah. So, just a of interesting note. Uh, <laughs> so, but but yes. Uh, so, robot mummies, an all powerful alien, and a glimpse into the future if they don't succeed. Yes, watch it, folks. It's very self-contained, uh, but it's got all of the elements uh, that really make a good Doctor Who episode, especially in in this time period. So. Um, What is your fourth Doctor recommendation? My fourth Doctor recommendation is Genesis of the Daleks. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) I should have seen this one coming. Well, let's just say it. (laughs) It has one of my favorite villains in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It also gives you a lot of uh, exposition on the history of the Daleks uh, as a race and also why they are the way that they are. And not, on, not only does it do that, it gives you a lot of um, reflection uh, from the doctor's standpoint. Um, you know, the Tom Baker, you know, a lot of times uh, he gets... Uh, well known for for his you know his one-liners and his you know quirky depiction of the doctor and things like that but he also can really take the doctor to a dark place sometimes if he wants to you know and this is one of those episodes where you see just how much of a dark place that he could take the doctor into because he's he's literally having uh, a, a crisis of conscience a, a moral dilemma if you will mm-hmm. in this in this story he feels like that he should make a one decision for one reason but then he should make another decision for another reason and he's torn in between making these two decisions because on one hand he feels like if i don't make this decision then this could affect all these people in this negative way, but if I if I make this decision, on the other hand, it can affect things in a totally different way. And some of the good things that have happened 
because of the bad things might not happen. And, you know, it, it's just, you know, he, he's, he's really weighing this, you know, mentally and, and emotionally in this story. And I, I think that that's really one of his better depictions as the doctor, you know, mm-hmm. featuring companions, Sarah Jane Smith and Henry Sullivan. Yes. So, uh, uh, and, and it's interesting because this is one of the episodes where you never see the TARDIS, right? You know, and there, there's a reason behind that, but we don't have to get into that here. It's, it also is an episode that sort of shows the meddling nature of the time Lords in the doctor's life. So, mm-hmm. um, Right, because he actually gets sent to Scarrow by the Time and, Lords and, to and do it, their dirty work. And not to get into spoilers and stuff, like I said, we want to try to avoid his, his spoilers as much as possible. But there, there are things that happen in this story that uh, show you that had certain events taken place differently, the Daleks would have actually ended up being different from what they ended up being as well, because certain decisions were made that effectively changed the the Daleks into what they eventually uh, started out uh, as in the first Doctor's timeline. And that's as vague and complicated as we're going to leave it. Um, because we want you to watch it. Exactly, exactly. It's extremely, and, and it's Tom Baker. I mean, come on. It's, <laughs> it's Tom Baker. It's Tom Baker. You should just, you should watch all of Tom Baker's episodes. Just, that's our recommendation. Um, <laughs> But especially did, these. Yes. Uh, did you have a recommendation for four or no? Or, or, or I mean, uh, an honorable mention. I don't. I don't have an honorable mention. Okay. All right. I just wanted to uh, double check, make sure I wasn't running. But in over. case, in case you want to look for this, it's in season twelve. So. Yes. His his first season, I believe. So. Uh, all right. Let's jump into Peter Davison's Fifth Doctor. Uh, I have uh, a recommendation and an honorable mention for this. My recommendation is going to be Resurrection of the Daleks. Um, <laughs> and I have a feeling... Uh, Mine is just two! Say, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, so we, we're we on the same page oh. with, with uh, five here. So we're both recommending uh, Resurrection of the Daleks. Uh, Basically, my notes here is Doctor plus Davros plus Daleks plus Time Tunnel. Mm -hmm. Because there's a time tunnel between the ship and Earth, and they keep going back and forth between it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we get Dalek mess up in space on this prison ship uh, and on Earth in London in, at that period, modern time. Uh, So... I don't want to say too much else because I'm sure you'll have more to say, but one of the big reasons that I want to <laughs> highlight this uh, this story arc is it really shows the toll of what the, Do- the Daleks do to the Doctor emotionally, uh, you know, mentally, and also to those around him because uh, one of his companions, Tegan, ends up leaving after this. You know, spoiler alert, I, should, I suppose I should have said. But, you know, you get into why, you know, why she ends up leaving. And it's, it's really kind of a sad, a sad moment there uh, between her and the doctor at the end of it all. But, but that's one of the, the more poignant moments of this period in uh, Doctor Who 
Well, I shouldn't say that because there's a lot of poignant moments. I think each season has its particular poignant moment, and this is this particular season's moment of note. Um, I'll I'll let you finish uh, the recommendation. (laughs) Davison, of course, plays the Doctor differently uh, by far than what Tom Baker did. It's funny because Tom Baker's sort of a middle-aged person playing almost a kid, right? whereas Davison is a really young guy. Right. The youngest Doctor, aside from Matt Smith, who plays the Doctor like in his 50s. Yeah, he, he, he plays it, he, personality-wise, he plays him as an older man, but uh, he's very clearly uh, like the second, I think, that's ever second youngest person that's ever played the Doctor. Yep, Matt Smith is the um, only one that's younger. And not by that many years, you know? No. The interesting thing for me, uh, and like I said, I don't want to spoil too much, but you actually see the Doctor pull a gun in this movie. In, mm-hmm. in this episode, rather, I should say, movie. And, um, you know, he, he, by all intents and purposes, seems like he's ready to use it. You yeah. know, uh, you don't see that much from the Doctor. I mean, you, you got to see it uh, on, I think, maybe one or two other occasions that I can think of in all this, all the time that I've watched the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those I know for a fact was in New Who. I mean, usually you see the Doctor uh, doing things like he did uh, in the Eighth Doctor story, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. um, where he he tries to use mental manipulation and things like that. Outwit. Yes, as opposed to actually using physical violence. Right. Um, but in this one, he, I believe, fully intended to use that gun, you know, and... For whatever just, reason, he changed his mind. You know, it's you know, uh-huh. this is what the Daleks do to the Doctor. The Daleks right. and Davros, you know, do to the Doctor. Uh-huh. So, and you know, I, I honestly think that um, this was one of the uh, darker interpretations uh, for Davison in their role uh, was mm-hmm. in this, this storyline. And the interesting thing about this too is you actually get to see. Uh, at one point where a Dalek actually attacks a person outside of their armor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Dalek, you know, the Dalek being outside of its armor. Right. The, the Dalek actually attacks and kills somebody without having their armor on. You know? Yeah. And these little buggers are, you don't are see that very much. You know, they're usually yeah. really reliant on their armor. But in this particular case, it was, you know, I'm not even going to use my armor. I'm just going to kill you, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, I, I do have an honorable mention for, for the fifth doctor. Um, and that's going to be the uh, story arc entitled earth shock. And this is uh, Davison's encounter with the Cybermen. I've been uh, wanting to watch that one. It's, it's one of the more memorable episodes from his run. Yes. Partly because it's his only inter- in- encounter with the Cybermen, who are, you know, of course, re- reoccurring villain. Mm-hmm. But and I'm not going to say any more than this. But it also features the first death of a companion since uh, the uh, Dalek episodes that we talked about not too long ago, uh, Dalek Master Plan. So mm-hmm. we get a, a companion death in this in this storyline. You know. Not to be morbid or weird or creepy or anything, but sometimes those episodes can be kind of fun because they take you out of 
the expected, you know, results and take you to another place. Right. You know. Right. And it's you you don't see it coming right. until the last minute. I will say. Um and I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to spoil that because it, it is, you know, of course, if you've done any amount of research, you probably already know. But if you haven't, I don't want to spoil it because it's one of those things that you don't see coming until it's basically too late to stop it. See, I find those episodes uh, entertaining because they have twists in them, you know, because they they do something that you did not see coming. Right. Right. And so that that's why that's an honorable mention. But um, I, I think if you're just going to really quick introduce someone to Doctor Who, you don't want to kill off a companion right away. <laughs> so, well, well yeah, maybe. No. But if you're, if Depends you're on if they like dark stuff or not, you know. True. True. But that's just my honorable mention. All right. Let's move into Colin Baker's sixth Doctor uh, and his uh, coat of many colors, mm. so to speak. Um. My recommendation for the Sixth Doctor is going to be Attack of the Cybermen, uh, which is his second story arc. It, uh, the Doctor is finally sort of stabilizing after his regeneration, and his first storyline is really, he's really all over the place. He had a really bad regeneration. Really, really wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, that's <laughs> putting it kindly. Um he had a bad regeneration. He actually was <laughs> severely poisoned when he regenerated, and so this may, you know, have be some reason as to why he's like this. Similar to the seventh Doctor. A bit. Uh, well, he was poisoned as the fifth Doctor, and that's why he regenerated. He was dying because of poison and regenerated, and it was it didn't go well. He um, played with the seventh Doctor's brain. Right. So. Right. But, <laughs> we'll get there, maybe. Um, but he's he's finally starting to stabilize, and he's getting his feet... And, of course, he's, st- he's stabilizing and runs into the Cybermen. You know, that's always fun. Um, you know, it, it is, I think, one of his better episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also fun because, for a time, he gets the chameleon circuit working again. But it doesn't quite go as planned. So, so the chameleon circuit works in this episode, but not the way you'd want no. it to. And I won't say any more than that because it, you just have to watch it for yourself. Um, <laughs> right, what, what was that we, we were joking around before about uh, the, the TARDIS turning into a sofa? <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite like that in this episode because, uh, you know, how would you get out of the sofa? Well, under the cushion. Under the. Mm. <laughs> not quite that ridiculous but I still he does get exasperated with it after a while <laughs> I was joking around with Jason I said I was going to make uh, I was going to make a uh, a cartoon of him and me and one of us was going to be the doctor and one of us was going to be the master and um, I was going to have the master has stolen the, the chameleon circuit from the TARDIS and the TARDIS is stuck in the form of a couch <laughs> and the doctor's car- trying to crawl out from under the cushion and I still may draw this. I haven't. I haven't forgotten that. You know. I think that would be really fun. You, you've had a couple things happen. Uh, <laughs> just sort of put that on hold, like moving, for instance. <laughs> I so. still think that would be fun, though. It would be fun. It would be fun. 
All right, what is your recommendation for the sixth Doctor? Time Lash. Time Lash, nice. Yeah, I do like that one as well. Um, for a couple of reasons, and my mind has gone blank. I can't remember the name of the villain in this story. Um, I give me two seconds. I can look but, it up uh, on Wikipedia. But one the, of the one of the, the misshapen face guys. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay, that um, is the Borad. Yes, he has been. Uh, he, he has encountered the Doctor before. Um, and he has encountered the doctor, uh, in a different way after the timeline of this story. Um, uh, because, uh, he big finish. No, Mm. uh, he, 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 uh, if you'll remember, he actually mutates into another, uh, being at the end of this story. Um, and I don't want to spoil it. I'm not trying uh, to remember this. But uh, let's just say that um, there's a story... Uh, oh, yes. There's a different doctor that encounters a different creature at a different point earlier uh, than this. Uh, <laughs> okay, and, now I know. And ends up encountering the same villain, but in a different form. Right, um, and you will understand more of that if you watch this and pay attention to it. And I really thought that it was nice the way that they tied all that together, mm-hmm. um, because they actually uh, they took three different stories from three completely different timelines and lined them all up uh, in wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey fashion. Yes, you know. Yes, and it also features an interesting interaction with one Herbert. George Wells. Yes. <laughs> so, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, Who, uh, interestingly enough, wrote a book. But we're not going to talk about that right now. Right, right. <laughs> Old H.G. <laughs> All right. Well, we are halfway through our, well, almost halfway through our Doctors, I suppose. Um Let's jump into the seventh Doctor. And as we all know, I've said multiple times, my second favorite. Um, So (laughs) I do have an honorable mention for for this. Um, I'm going to go with something that's not going to be the obvious for my official recommendation, and that's going to be Battlefield. Um, I've not gotten a chance to see that yet. I I have mentioned this uh, arc before because this is where the seventh Doctor runs across his old friend Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also the episode where he meets up and has to deal with Morgane from an alternate dimension who believes the Doctor to be Merlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Doctor equals Merlin plus spaceships, magic, bombs, and the Brigadier is basically how I I wrote this down in my notes. The only thing Um, missing is dinosaurs. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, it's it's action-packed. It's interesting because it's got sort of this this idea of of, that there is magic out there, and it's not all science and stuff, even though there is science, but there's magic out there, and um, of course, it's always fun when you start equating the doctor with some sort of literary character like Merlin. Uh, and it's like, well, is he or isn't he? <laughs> and he so uh, he, he's, he comments on it at one point, and I, I'm not going to say what he says because I want you guys to watch the episode. 
Um, yeah, the, the rumor was that Merlin aged in reverse, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, but but I do have a, an honorable mention, and I'll, I'll get that out of the way real quick, because it might be your recommendation. Uh, but that's going to be Remembrance of the Daleks, which is his Dalek story arc. Um, I've only gotten to see bits and pieces of that one. Okay, okay. Uh, but this is his Dalek story arc, and it is one of his strongest uh, episodes that he has. Uh, it's also his first full episode with new companion Ace, who is one of the best companions that he's ever had, in my opinion. Because <laughs> um, she gets to beat up a Dalek with a baseball bat in this story arc. Well, she's, um, she's like a younger version of Donna, almost, you know? A younger and more violent yeah. version, <laughs> version of Donna. Um, what if Donna had grown up on the streets? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of becoming a temp. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, but, but this also starts introducing us to the fact that the Doctor has got plots and schemes. And he's not just reacting to things. He's also instigating things. Uh, he's... He's very tricky in this story arc. Um, and of course, you know, it's always great when the Doctor gets to go up against one of his oldest foes and, you know, mock Davros to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little bit of a different uh, scenario than what we had with the Fifth Doctor. Right. Right. Okay, well, that's my Seventh Doctor. What's your recommendation for Sylvester McCoy's Seventh Doctor? Is as cheesy as some people might think it is. Uh, I liked Survival. Oh, nice. Um, I, I liked the way it started out with a little bit of mystery. You really didn't know what was going on. Had a little bit of a creep factor to the beginning of it. And then it just goes into full, full-blown cheese. You know? <laughs> um, not... not not in the 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 uh, necessarily the story itself, but just in 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 the fact that they just got so into playing these these you know alien cat people, you know, and they they were playing them just full fledged over the top, you know. Yeah. And this is nineteen eighty nine right. when this episode came out, and so it's definitely got the eighties the eighties vibe heavily, right? Um, and so, just be prepared. But that was for that. that was one of the things I thought that made it fun, though. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Not to mention the fact that you you get to see a reappearance of the master in this. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, this is actually the last appearance uh, that you see of the master in that particular body. Correct. Uh, now they don't say whether or not it is chronological as far as the master goes they don't say whether or not that you know it's actually you know jumping around as far as his timeline goes but it it does you know indicate later that uh, there have been uh, lots of different um, uh, encounters and lots of different things to go on between the master and the doctor the next time that they run into each other in an official capacity, you know? Right. So right. we really don't know. It's kind of like the Daleks and the Doctor's timelines. You know, they crisscross each other, but they don't necessarily line up in a chronological way. Right. You know? 
They could or they couldn't. You know, it, it all depends. And some of them probably do, but then again, some of them probably don't. It, it's probably, you know, this these particular events are chronological, but these over here on this other storyline are not. You know, uh, these two are kind of, you know, one's coming from the future, one's coming from the past, and they just ended up colliding at this particular point, you know, the kind of thing. And and I, that's one of the things I think is is neat about the show in general is the fact that they can play with that and make it you know easier or more difficult, however they want to do it, to uh, portray these characters in the way that they want it done. Yeah, yeah. It also it also deals with a little bit more adult themes because mm-hmm. it's it's got this sort of side plot of Ace going home. Mm-hmm. You know, visiting home after she's been gone for a while. It's right. like, you know, what happens what happens when you go home and how is it different than when you left? Right. Um, so it's it's actually a really good episode, I think, you know, story wise, it's very sound. Um, it even plays with the the uh the master at one point beginning to mutate a little bit toward the end yeah. of it. Uh, yeah, he gets, he's definitely creepy in this, but this story. See, that's one of the th- reasons why I kind of wonder a little bit about how this all lines up on the timeline, because some of the visible things that you see about him, even though he's in a different body, uh, at the end of this storyline, almost kind of carry over a little bit into the Eighth Doctor, when you see the, the Master again, even though he's in a different body. Right. You know. And that is a perfect segue to <laughs> jump into Paul McGann, not Paul Gann, Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor. Awesome Doctor. Yes, he is a great Doctor. And I'm going to go with my recommendation with actually the mini-sode uh, Night of the Doctor because it's the only other thing I could be different with. Um <laughs> Being as, you know, I have not had a chance to listen to any of the Big Finish audio, I can't recommend it. And as we're, you know, saying we're primarily keeping this to the visual medium, mm-hmm. um, I do want to make sure that people do watch Night of the Doctor, which is his mini-episode leading into the 50th anniversary special, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And this is where he basically decides, due to the time war, that he has to become a warrior and lay aside the identity of the doctor. Uh, and it's really kind of, I don't want to quite say heart wrenching, but painful mm-hmm. to watch how he gets to that position. It's only like seven minutes long, but it's really good and you should watch it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a good bookend to the other uh, storyline too. Mm-hmm. Um, as well. Yeah. So, but I'm sure your recommendation, you want to talk about the film here. <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend the movie. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest about it. Um, it's a product of the 90s. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was right there in that spot of we're coming out of the uh, over-the-top, you know, a little bit cheesiness of the, the 80s and coming into the era where you now have the ability to do these really awesome, really great special effects and things that you didn't have technology or budgets or whatever to do before. 
and you're kind of crossing it over in the middle. And it's not a perfect product. No. But it's enjoyable for me. I, I, I've watched it multiple times and I like it for what it is. Yeah. Um, if as long as you're, as long as you go into the mindset of watching this for the character of the doctor, you'll be able to get through it pretty well. Um, and the, the math, McGann's the, the best thing about the movie. Oh, he is. He's the best thing by far about the movie. Um, the master is a bit interesting. And of course we'll talk about, it. we're actually coming up next year on the 20th anniversary of, of, of that movie so mm-hmm. i'm sure we'll talk about it in detail next year as a special yes. um, episode but you know before we get there you know it, it, the master in this episode is a little bit odd uh he's a bit different although there are elements in that i think are, are you know carry over well from the series mm-hmm. but he definitely sticks out a bit like a sore thumb he, uh, compared to some of the other masters. yeah he was the one thing and, and, and it wasn't the actor that I had an issue with necessarily as much as the portrayal of the character, I think, that yeah, I had. Kind of the, because the way he was written a bit was <sighs> odd. He, he kind of walks that line between monster and psychopath and... Mustache twirling you know, villain. Yes. Uh, you know... And and you're 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 looking at it and you're going something just doesn't feel the same. Something right. The tone is not the same, you know. Right. And I understand that the way that the, the character was being portrayed was that he is now in a position where he wants full-on revenge against the Doctor. He, you know, he absolutely has decided at this point that he hates the Doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're done. You know, dancing around this scenario of can we be friends? Can we not be friends? Kind of thing. Right. We are now completely and utterly at odds. You know? I am now your arch nemesis. Exactly, uh, your and, arch enemy. And your I, nemesis. I get that point. You know, I get that that's that that's the way that it, it's being portrayed. But there's just something about it, and it might it could be something as simple as the fact that he's played by an American with an American accent. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be something as simple as that. But the tone is completely different from anything you've seen before or since. Yeah. There are moments, there are, there are periodic moments where he does fall into, ah, that's the master. Mm-hmm. But they're not strung together. Right. There's, you know, so it's it's like brief bits. Like, oh, there's the master. Well, not anymore, you know. <laughs> so, and, and it's like you, you see him going from that portrayal to, okay, now he's acting like Hannibal Lecter. Okay, wait, now, now he's acting like, something that's more animalistic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, the tone is just kind of like a roller coaster ride. It's, it's up and down and up and down. And, and, you know, it just, he just didn't seem as much like the doc, like the, the master that I remembered, you right. know? And I think that's probably the number one thing that took me out of the experience was the, t- the difference in the tone of the doc, of the master rather. All that to say, 
watch the movie for the portrayal of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Because Paul McGann is really a very good Doctor, and it's a shame that he didn't get to play the Doctor longer on screen. Oh, he's one of my favorites. You know? so, uh, so watch this for that, and then prepare to open your pocketbook for Big Finish Audio. Um. <laughs> so. Well, I'll put it this way. I would really, really, really love to see them come back and do a prequel season to the new Who uh, show that they have now. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's just one season where you got to see the lead up to that seven minute clip, you know, I right. think that would be so amazing to see that. That would be cool. That would be cool. All right. Well, let's, um, before we jump fully into the new season, let's take a quick detour to the war doctor. And obviously we can really only recommend one episode for this, <laughs> that being, you know, the day of the doctor, because it's really the only episode he's in. He was briefly introduced in the previous episode, but there's not enough there to actually recommend it. Um, so day of the doctor, the 50th anniversary is, you know, where you're going to see the war doctor. And he's, you know, played by John Hurt. He's he's a good addition to the character as the Doctor. I think he he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. No. Uh, when when you're watching him against Matt Smith and David Tennant, which is great. Well, I, uh, I think they had to find somebody of his caliber to be able to pull that off, though. Mm-hmm. But there's just not you know a whole heck of a lot other to say. You know, he's good. The 50th anniversary special is a really good episode, in my opinion. You should mm-hmm. watch it. Um, I don't have much else to say about that. Well, I, I will say this. In the way that this thing was written, you could see either Paul McGann or Christopher Eccleston playing that role. And I think that what you had was a scenario where, well, is Eccleston going to come back or is he not going to come back? You know, can we get McGann to do it? Can we not get McGann to do it? And so finally it was one of those things, well, I'm not going to ask this guy. I'm not going to ask this guy. I'm just going to bring somebody else in. Right. You know, um, and as, as unfortunate or fortunate, how, whatever your viewpoint is, as that might be, I think he did a good job pulling it off and I enjoyed, I thoroughly enjoyed the story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, speaking of Christopher Eccleston, let's jump into his ninth Doctor. This may be a slight cheat, because (laughs) I'm going to recommend a two-parter. That being The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. Oh, you stole it! (laughs) You stole it! (laughs) Is that your recommendation as well? Yes, you stole it! Well, perfect. I, I, this uh, is what well, I do have an honorable mention though. So. Okay, this is about <laughs> as perfect as you're going to get with with the ninth Doctor. Uh, is the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. It's, it's a two parter, so you have to watch it both. Of course, it takes place in World War Two. There's alien tech. There's Jack Harkness, and finally, at the end of it all, the Doctor has a good day. It it all leads up and builds to this really really wonderful moment where everything finally works out for the Doctor. Biggest He's got movie. a good. You know, and it's so worth it. It's one of, mm-hmm. it is still one of the best episodes, period, in New Who. Do yourself a favor and make sure you watch it. Do not skip Christopher Eccleston. Oh, Don't go please. straight to David. No, no, no. Don't go straight to Tennant and Smith. Go through Eccleston first. If nothing else, then for these two episodes. You'll be the doing yourself child. a great disservice if you skip over Eccleston. 
that that is my recommendation for for Eccleston is the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances two parter, as well as mine. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do have an honorable mention. Okay, what is that honorable mention? I'm wait. Can I guess? Mm-hmm. Dalek. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only other one I would have considered, too. So, Well, it, it was either that or the other two-parter at the end of the season. And I couldn't make up my mind, so I picked this one. Gotcha. Because it's more self-contained. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, once again, it's one of those containment stories, like what, like what I was talking about before with the Tomb of the Cyberman. You know, you're there contained in this one area. The scale and everything... It's a lot smaller, but it it actually benefits the story that it's smaller, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it starts to feel more claustrophobic and it starts to feel more uh, like there's more at risk, you know, and, and, and everything. And it really adds to the atmosphere of the story. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a good one. Um, and it definitely has one of the most dynamic and dramatic encounters of the Doctor post-Time War. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely... I would definitely agree with that as, a, as an honorable, honorable mention. All right, well, let's jump into David Tennant's 10th Doctor. Uh, my honorable mention is going to be The Fires of Pompeii. Uh, <laughs> hmm... <laughs> I number one, I love it because uh, it's the Doctor and Donna, and it has uh, Peter Capaldi in it. Well, that's a that's a nice little added bonus. It's not the primary reason, but that's kind of a nice added bonus. Um, but I I love the interaction between the Doctor and Donna in this episode. Uh, it's really really fun, but also this episode shows why the Doctor can't travel alone, why he needs people like Donna with him to sort of save him from himself sometimes. Um, and we, we get some of that with some of his other companions during the Tenth Doctor's run, and we really see the the implications of the Doctor traveling by himself during the specials after this season, after Donna leaves. But I really like this episode. It's nice and self-contained. That's part of it. Uh, I'm also a big fan of, you know, classic literature, you know, from like Mm -hmm. ancient Greece and Rome, that sort of thing. And so when we get to go to ancient Rome or Pompeii in this particular instance, uh, I'm a fan of that in general. And then, of course, it's also deals again with the how much of history can you change? How can you really affect it? Can you really affect it? You know, it, going back to the first Doctor episode that I I re- recommended here, it, it, it touches in on that again, um, as Donna really wants to try and change the outcome of what happens in Pom- Pompeii when the volcano explodes. So, right. Um, of course, there's a little bit of alien stuff thrown in there for good measure because it's Doctor Who, but that's not the primary crux of this. It's all you know, it's the Doctor, it's Donna, and it's the family that they end up, you know, staying with. So. And also, spoilers, rumors, whatever, alert, 
for everybody that doesn't want to hear this, close your ears. There is a rumor that David Tennant might be coming back for a Pompeii episode in this upcoming season. Yeah. So, I think that's interesting. Yes. Pompeii may be revisited with the 12th Doctor. Uh, And there's also a rumor that says that the character that Capaldi played in uh, the season with Tennant is actually going to have something to do with Capaldi's Doctor uh, as well. Right. So. So. Just, we're just going to throw that out there for those who are interested. So, <laughs> all right. What is your 10th Doctor recommendation? My 10th Doctor recommendation is the Stolen Earth slash Journey's End. Uh, nice. And, and one of the reasons why is because you get an opportunity to see all of the companions that the Doctor has had up to this point, including Sarah Jane and K-9, you know, (laughs) um, including some of the ones that you've only seen in a couple of episodes, even. You get to see all of those come back for the storyline. And it it becomes this, I want to say, who's who of Doctor Who type, you know, (laughs) for, for new Who, I should say. And and it's just fun and and dark and twisted and you know it, and and it gives a good bookend to the whole Rose Tyler story and uh, you know and there was a lot of people that didn't like how that originally ended and they they were able to go in and do some retcon on that and you know it was it was just really. Well done, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they even addressed some of the, the issues uh, with uh, some of the past perceived flaws that people said the Daleks had and things like that, you know, like uh, being able to cover up the eye and, you know, all those types mm-hmm. of things, you know. And, and I just think that, I think that it's, it's just a really well told, really well executed story, you know. Um, and the yeah. and the way that it ends leaves you in in a position where did this character survive? Did this character not survive? Type scenario, you know. <laughs> um, and in that that's can always be fun too because it, it, as much as things jump around in the timeline and things like that it, it always leaves you the the option to be able to have certain villains come back and things like that you know oh yeah oh yeah yeah no that's a good one um it is one that you know if you're introducing somebody to it you know, let them know there's a lot of stuff that led up to this. You know, yeah. there's a lot of lead in to it. <laughs> you want to watch the other stuff we've recommended first. Yes. <laughs> before you go into this. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, but it is a really fun set of episodes in my opinion. So, um, yeah, just, just to preface that you want to watch all the other stuff we've recommended first before you watch <laughs> this, because if you go into this, Having not watched anything at all on Doctor Who, you will be completely lost at the beginning of this. Yeah. So. Yeah. However, this does directly tie back into the Dalek invasion of Earth. Yes, it does. From the first Doctor. So. Yes, it does. Yeah. So. 
which is really oh. interesting. Oh, the self-referencing <laughs> nature of Doctor Who. Uh, I, love I love it. it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, unless you have an honorable mention, I'm going to jump into Matt Smith's Eleventh Doctor. I do have an honorable. Oh, you mention. do have a yes, an honorable mention for David Tennant. Okay, school reunion. Oh, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> and this is simply because we both love Sarah Jane and K9. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because K9's awesome, you know? I if mean, he see... really is. I want to see K9 come back. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's the eight-year-old in me, okay? So sue me. I want to see K9 come back, you know? I don't nice. care if he might not be as cool as some people think he should be or whatever. That doesn't matter to me. I think he's cool. I want to see him come back. So Stick him on the TARDIS somewhere yeah. and bring him out every couple of episodes you know, or something, you know. Let him live in the broom closet or something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Put, put, his, put his little potty pad back there. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. That, that's a great one because it, it sort of tries to connect the, the new series with the classic series um, by bringing Sarah Jane Smith back and... That sort of thing. I don't know so. if you caught the reference from the Sarah Jane Smith show. Uh, she actually has a computer that she calls Mr. Smith, <laughs> which is which is the doctor's alias. You know, when, that when he tries to portray himself as a regular human or whatever. Yes, John uh, Smith. Yes, so, but she calls her computer Mr. Smith. You know, and and that is an, an homage to the doctor. You know, nice. Nice. I don't think I quite connected the dots there, but that does. Now that you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Well, it, does. it made me think of uh, about it. Um, I was watching. Of course, I'm. I'm not able to watch them as frequently as I would like because uh, of the schedule that I have with my son. But my son and I are going through the uh, the, the Eccleston, Tennant, Smith run right now because mm-hmm. he wanted to start with the new Doctor. We are in the middle of the two-parter where the doctor has changed himself physically into a human. Ah. And he's going by the name Mr. Smith, you know. Yes. And so that was what really solidified it for me is that's where this reference is coming from. Nice. uh, it, it, It was something that I had kind of tied together before, but it that was what really proved it to me that that's where that reference came from cool cool all right well we are two doctors from the end here so let's jump into matt smith's 11th doctor my recommendation and this was hard the 11th doctor was hard because there's so much of a larger storyline that goes on between a lot of these episodes to find something that doesn't get too confusing it's um, it's not as self-contained either in the right. in the Matt Smith run um, because there's a lot more self-contained stories in in Eccleston and Tennant than there are in Smith. Right. There's a lot of run-on plot points that mm-hmm. you know get introduced or advanced or resolved depending on where in the season you are, um, and this episode has a little bit of that, but not quite as much. Um, and so it's a little bit more of a one-off. So this is why I'm going to recommend, what is it called? Uh, Vincent and the Doctor, where the Doctor goes back and meets Vincent van Gogh. 
uh, famous artist extraordinaire, if you will. Um, and it's it's a great episode, not for you know the villain that they have to face or anything, but for the the character interactions between the Doctor and Amy and Vincent, and mm-hmm. and the character journey that they sort of take Vincent on through this episode. It, it shows a little bit of of the good that the Doctor can do when he's not you know fighting planet-threatening monsters and aliens and that sort of thing. It it, it sort of gets a peek into what he could do if he, you know, quote-unquote, made house calls. Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of thing. And and I really like that. And the the end of the episode, uh, and I won't spoil it for those that haven't seen it, uh, is really very touching. Uh, What he does for Vincent, I think, is, is one of Matt Smith's more impressive... Uh, and kind moments in the series, so. And the person that they picked to play Van Gogh, man, I mean, really, oh, dude. Really good. <laughs> you, you believe that's Van Gogh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mood swings and all. Exactly. <laughs> um, of course, they, they pronounce it Van Gogh, but. Yes, Van Gogh. You know, um, either way, uh, he, he, he does an awesome awesome job uh, yeah uh, the the uh, the one that I picked is a two-parter it is time of angels and mm. flesh and stone I wondered if this was going to make the <laughs> nice uh, yeah it, this is the return of the weeping angels and river song yes uh, it's actually it's very good, but it's very good. But it, I, I'll let you talk a little it's bit more about of it. A it's a recommendation, story, really, uh, mm-hmm. in Doctor Who, uh, you know, and and yes, there are other episodes that come off like a horror story, but this one was almost kind of in your face. This is horror, you know, as as wasn't quite as downplayed um, as some of the other uh, things, and. You know, one of the things that I thought was was really uh, creepy and really interesting is when the 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 weeping angel came out of the screen. <laughs> you know, uh, interesting is not the word I would yeah use. because <laughs> it, well it was like you know they're filming this thing or they're they they have a camera on it you know, and then the one that's in the screen got a life of its own separate from the one that was being shot. You know, so then there are two angels, the one in the screen and the one outside of the screen. So uh. and and they they discovered that they have the ability to duplicate themselves through these types of methods, you know. Whatever holds the image of an angel becomes an angel itself. Right. And uh yeah, I, that was and, and not only that, you, you actually see some of the people in the story end up becoming angels you know because they they just continue to multiply and multiply and multiply you know and you you see this basically what would you call it a a weeping angel cemetery almost yeah yeah. you know yeah I mean crazy just mm. it's a a (laughs) roller coaster set of episodes and y'all 
again, popcorn and a blanket. Um, and and <laughs> and they actually reference the uh, the crack again in this storyline. Yes. The one that Amy was seeing on the wall uh, in her house. Right. Um, and that it's kind of interesting that crack carries over was it three seasons? And I it, think it, so. Something like it that. It pops up every once in a while. You know, they don't even always reference it. Sometimes it's just kind of hidden somewhere, you know. And then it finally, you know, resolves itself at the end of the Matt Smith run. You know, right. It's kind of an ongoing, right. ongoing story plotline. And there's there's points where you think you've figured it out, but then it comes back again, and it's right. like what? So nice. All right. Well, shall we jump into uh, Peter Capaldi's number twelve? <laughs> um, and of course, we only have one season to recommend from for Peter Capaldi. So, but if you want to watch one of his episodes before jumping into season nine. Uh, this would be my recommendation. Uh, my recommendation is going to be the Robot of Sherwood episode, where Clara insists that the Doctor take her to meet Robin Hood, and he's like, that's not possible because Robin Hood is a myth, he's a legend, he doesn't actually exist. Uh, lo and behold, he does. <laughs> and uh, the Doctor and Sir Robin of Loxley basically uh, try to outdo each other a couple of scenes and it's really <laughs> really quite fun it's one of the most fun episodes that Peter Capaldi has had uh, he's got some other good episodes I think but this is this is my favorite of his so far because it is so fun and because I've always grown up you know watching the old Disney you know mm -hmm. animated Robin Hood and uh, reading various Robin Hood stories so to, to see Robin Hood make an appearance with the Doctor and a grumpy, cantankerous old man Doctor at that, where he gets into a sword fight with a spoon, um, right. is is just a lot of Which fun. Which feels like it came from the second Doctor. <laughs> or the seventh, because... Yeah, either one. Sylvester McCoy plays the spoon. Right. And, and he's brought them out a couple of times... <laughs> in his episodes. Yeah. So it, 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 um, it had that vibe. That one scene had that vibe of both of those doctors, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I really enjoyed this episode. So, and since it is very self-contained and it's mm -hmm. kind of a one-off and it's, it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, I think to watch. So that's why I would recommend robot of Sherwood. Uh, what is your, 12th Doctor recommendation. Well, I have a recommendation and I have an honorable mention. Um, oh, you got all sorts of honorable Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention my honorable mention first. Uh, reason, okay. reason being is because uh, I, I'm going to segue from my recommendation uh, after. From, yeah. After, into your recommendation afterwards. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to segue from my recommendation into something else after. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, my honorable mention is Deep Breath, mm. um, which is his first episode. And and one of the reasons why is because it was so much of a departure for me from uh, the Matt Smith portrayal of the Doctor. Um, it, it it just had a completely different tone 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was sitting there the whole time, and I was going, I don't, I I can't predict what what he's gonna do, you know? I can't, I I can't, <laughs> you know, because literally, his reactions were different. His, you know, everything about him was different, and he's even asking the question, "Am I a good man?" You know? Right. At this point, he he had so much of an identity crisis that he couldn't even just you know determine whether or not he was even a good man. And uh, then you get to the end of the episode, and I'm not going to tell anybody how it ends. But you're, <laughs> you're sitting there and you're asking yourself the question: Did he or didn't he? You know, <laughs> right. and and that's how they leave it. You never know. You know, you can assume one way or the other. But, you know, that whole episode was basically, we're going to show you the dark side of the Doctor, we're going to show you the light side of the Doctor, we're going to show you the light side of the Doctor, we're going to show you the dark side of the Doctor, you figure it out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so, you know, and and I'm going, I think I'm more confused now, you know? But it was... Which is where they wanted you you leading into the season. Yeah, it was a good kind of confusion, though. It was not the kind of confusion that, that left you frustrated. It was the kind of confusion that made you hungry to see more of what was going to happen. Right. Um, and, and so that, that's the reason why it's my honorable mention that and the fact that there were some actually creepy moments in it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what's your recommendation? My recommendation is dark water and death in heaven. Oh, <laughs> now you see why I say I was going to segue from that. Yeah, I liked it well enough that I'm going to watch it again <laughs> in the theater. Yes. I already have Dark, my ticket. <laughs> Dark Water and Death in Heaven, for those who are Uh-oh. wondering, is the season finale two-parter. Yes. Featuring both the Cybermen <laughs> and the Master. Form. It's it's a very, very good uh, story, in my opinion. It, 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 it gives you a little bit of everything, you know. It gives mm-hmm. it gives you a little bit of the the fun aspect of the doctor. It gives you a little bit of the oh crap, did that just happen? You know, <laughs> and and then it gives you you know the the whole twist of of the master or the mistress or whatever you want to call her, the master. Uh, Thank you. And then on top of that, you throw the Cybermen in there, and you know, it's just good classic fun Doctor Who, you know, with the modern twist. And, and even that, you know, even even it, it even gives you a final farewell to some of the characters that have come in the past. Not necessarily in the way that you thought you would see them, but... And I'm still not sure if I like it or not. It's one of those, yeah. I don't know <laughs> if this is, this is really kind of cool and really kind of disturbing at the same time, and I I'm not sure I should be liking this, and... <laughs> <laughs> Do I really like it? You know, but and I still haven't figured that it, out, which is which is a good thing it, for this it episode. It also walks that fine line of scientific, you know, explanation and supernatural slash paranormal. You know, it you're, mm-hmm. it's walking that fine line, and it kind of it does a good job, I think, walking that line 
to not go too far into one way or too far into the other way, you know, and it doesn't sit there and try to explain everything to you. It just lets you feel like this is just the way it is. So I, and I really I actually do it. like it. I actually do like it when the, um, of course the doctor is a very scientifically minded mm-hmm. man. We find this out on numerous occasions, uh, with various doctors. Uh, but I always like it when there's always that door op- left open for, right the supernatural or the, the mysterious or the unexplained, the magical, you know, well, aspect Doctor Who's always done a good job being a little bit more science fantasy, more so than science fiction, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm perfectly fine with that, you know, because I don't need a scientific explanation as to why the TARDIS is bigger on the inside, you know. Right. I, I The way Tom Becker you know, told it was perfectly fine for me. It, did it make sense? Probably not. But did I care? No. You know, it's just, you know, it's one of those type things. It's, I want the mystery there. I want the, the fancifulness, if you will, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it delivers every time when it comes to that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, if you have not done so already, and I got lucky because I found out that it was coming to my town and it never has before and it might not ever again. But (laughs) if you haven't gotten your tickets, get your tickets to go see this in the theater because it is well worth going to see. Yeah. Dark water and death in heaven, a a two parter that they've turned into 3d um, because they want to instigate you to go actually watch it again and pay for it again. Um, Which I think I will. I will. And it also will have a scene as a preview for series nine and well, it, an interview. It calls it a prequel. I don't know. A prequel. Yeah. It's, it's it, a prequel scene uh, Some, sort of, a, of a tease it's, it could, leading into season. could be something similar to what we saw before the 50th. I don't know. You know, something like that. Um, and an interview with Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman. Yeah. At the end of it. So exclusive only to the theater. Yes. And that happens. September 15th and 16th, I believe, which is a Tuesday and Wednesday, or maybe it's 14th and 15th. Double check uh, on fathomevents.com. Look for Doctor Who. Um, and it's going to be uh, two nights, I believe Tuesday and Wednesday, the week that the new series starts up. The new series starts on a Saturday. This happens Tuesday and Wednesday. Wish I had so, my ticket in front of me, but I don't. I do know it's Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the new series starts on Saturday. So go to FathomEvents.com and look for Doctor Who, the Doctor Who event, to find out if this is coming to your town. Um, I will probably be going to this as well if I can help it. I just don't know my work schedule yet, so I don't know what day I'm going. (laughs) So we will figure that out, or if they'll even let me go. And if we can work this out, uh, it still depends on whether or not we can go and see this on the same day or not or whatever. If we can work this out, we're going to try to do our pre-new season episode after we go and see this in the theater uh, so that we can talk about both of them. Right. But I think I think we we finished this up since we're... Sp- Straying into speculation and future <laughs> episodes. Um, I, I hope you guys enjoyed our recommendation list. Uh, and if you guys have an, other recommendations, 
please share them with us. Uh, go ahead and share them on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. Our Twitter uh, is at Talking Time Lord, or you can email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Of course, if you forget any of that, or if you want to learn even more about the show, uh, go to TalkingTimeLords.com, which is our home on the internet, our online TARDIS, if you will. Yeah. Um, all right, well, any anything else before we wrap up this episode, Paul? Ah, uh, well... Not at this point. I'm really looking forward to our next review. Awesome. You know, uh, and and interestingly enough, uh, the way that things are lining up, uh, it seems like it's going to line up uh, almost perfectly uh, for the new season that's coming up. Yeah, looks like we're going to be able to re- do our our last second Doctor Dalek review next episode, and then we'll probably just do our our series nine preview episode before the new season starts. So hopefully that's the way it's all going to work out. Um, of course, things can always change. Uh, that's, that's what, that's what we're looking to do folks. So, uh, I do want to say a special thank you to Molly, who was on our last episode. Oh, that was a fun episode, dude. It's, it's great to have you back, Paul. I, I missed you for an episode, and I kind of <laughs> wish you'd been there. Um, well, I but, I uh, enjoyed listening to it, you know. Well, good. <laughs> good. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. It's been episode number 14, Introducing the Doctors, or Indoctrinating Your Friends. Um, <laughs> for Paul, I'm Jason, and until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams... Thanks, guys. <laughs> Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. <laughs>